0: You're listening to Rest Days. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's important for us to note that some of the topics and conversations we cover in this episode could be triggering. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Rest Days. My name is Maria Sylvester Terry. I'm a registered dietitian. I live in New Orleans, and I am a very proud and honestly kind of stressed out dog mom, and I'll tell you why in a second. With me is my always co-host, and her name is...
0: Lauren Lavelle. I'm here in Philadelphia. I am a certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, and very dedicated cat mom to some extremely quiet and well-behaved cats. (laughs) That
1: must be nice. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i mean is- they're not really well behaved at all like scott was naming um how baby cat is getting better the other day she he was like oh my god she's getting so much better i'm like she dug in a plant pot peed on my yoga mat and and scratched the couch like t- like today
1: and he was like i mean oh my gosh she's getting better <laughs> progress is not linear. I think that's what we all need to learn from this. And I will tell you that I thought Mr. Good Boy Pierre would be just snoozing away and he is on his peanut butter spoon and we are on our second intro. So hoping we can hold through to record the podcast today without too many interruptions. You can see if you're on Patreon watching with us, we've got little Joe here. So she will be quiet and she is the original good girl. We are so excited to dive in to part Two of our back of our back to school themed episodes. So part one was all about what are these things that we have taken with us from back to school or school energy, the perfect schedule, wearing a uniform, how we feel about our body, how we feel about our bodies in PE class, and school lunch. And we've gotten such great feedback from y'all about how this resonated, and also that you were really looking forward to hearing this part two because we're really going to get into how can we sort of move on from this? And what can we take? What can we leave in the past? And in what ways can we really become more authentically us by diving in on this? These are the things that really impact us in ways you don't realize because they happen at such a young age and they just became part of who we are. So yes. I'm excited to get into this, but Lauren, it wouldn't be our podcast without our, our little intro, which is called clickbait. Can you tell mm-hmm. us what clickbait is if we're new here?
0: Yes. So we are trying to collect clickbait mostly from the interwebs. Um, Maybe from real life experience at some point, we can throw in the uh, less than clickbait, like the real life (laughs) clickbait. But really, things that we see throughout our week that we're just like, we got to talk about this. It could be a bad trend. I mean, it could just be, it could be a trend we like. We haven't really crossed that bridge about the clickbait that we actually enjoy. Maybe that's what you have for me this week. And we bring that to the table and review, but we do not tell each other before it happens. So I have no idea if Maria's is the same as mine. And I don't think it is. I don't think it is because she is a much uh, better researcher than I am. I'm very lazy when it comes to my clickbait. My clickbait comes to me. So I'm interested in what yours is. Please, (laughs) please don't keep us waiting any longer because I'm also worried that it's the same one and I'm going to have to start scrolling. (laughs)
1: So I also thought it was the same one because my clickbait is totally not for me. It is not something that should be coming up on my feed because it doesn't actually fit me as the target audience. But I'll give you a backstory. I was getting ready to go to a friend's wedding in Italy. I was figuring out what dresses I wanted to wear and almost all of them required some weird variation of a bra I didn't have. And I don't have big boobs. Uh, I just kind of rock with whatever, usually a sports bra Uh, when it comes to dressing up. I need to strategize. So I had a backless dress. I had a couple different strappy type options. And I thought I will look into boob tape. And ever since my clickbait has been one targeted to really big boobs and two Uh all about decreasing the sag. So how to go from saggy to perky boobs in seconds. And for those of you on Patreon, I'll show you the video and for those of you who, who uh want to hear it uh, Lauren are you okay with me playing some of it
0: sure
1: kind of silly but it, it's just dramatic and to save these y'all I am I feel like a martyr for saving the sponsored ads oh yeah because it's gonna, get worse. <laughs> it's it's gonna, gonna get, get worse it's gonna get worse now so here we go it's all about sticking this cup into your shirt And they stick to the shirt. They stick to your boobs and instantly no more gaps. And it's all very much, you know, making your, I'll show you again. Oh, the
0: sexy music.
1: Oh, I'll put a spell on you with my big titties. Absolutely. Except I don't have big titties. So you can kind of see, you're going to see it if you haven't already, they're all over. So there's sticky cups, there's tape, there's a really a really silly one Ask how you went
0: from saggy to perky breath instantly a simple couple ofs that gives you the lift you want not only is this big food friendly but this is long lasting and easy to use Even with water on so
1: this woman is washing these cups in a kitchen sink that I could fit like my dog in right so I'm gonna just <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll link them for folks who really want to watch them. Why is this my clickbait? Because it reinforces the narrative that your boobs are supposed to defy gravity and that if they're sagging, then they're not attractive and that you should be able to purchase something with a click of a button on Instagram to give them that perk, that lift so that you can look attractive in your dress. Does anyone want gaps in your dress if you are you know, a chested person? Eh, you know, That's up to you. I don't feel like it's the product that should be one marketed all over my Instagram feed because it just makes me think about my boobs all the time now, and it also has me wondering what does it feel like to have boobs that maybe do sag a little and like you kind of like them, but now you want me to tell you? Yeah, I would like you to (laughs) tell me, and anyone else who would like to tell me too. I just feel like these ads are so frustrating because it's kind of like really this tape. This tape is going to stay sticky for months, for years. They said forever, and. I just I'm lost
0: okay I love this clickbait um and the fact that you're like enamored like fascinated with it because we will at some point have to do an episode on boobs um because I tease you all the time uh (laughs) (laughs) but like you're asking like I've had those like sticky cutlets like that
1: I've, I've like, used those, like hoist you up. Oh yeah. I've used those. Okay. Tell us, is it really clickbait or does it work? Well, I don't think I used it correctly.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> um, things have progressed since then a lot. Like I remember my cousin is the one who mentioned it and she had these little like cutlet things. They were like for wearing like the strapless, you know, like all the situation where a regular bra would show even, right. a, even a strapless bra. Um, I could never figure it out. And, you know, for people who are watching, like my boobs are like this, they're like, just <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're not, they look like they're in a disagreement with each other. Um, so, so like, you know, I'm not the expert here. I put on a tight crop or a sports bra and literally keep it moving. I got rid of all my bras with underwire, and, um, and I know that's a luxury, not everyone can afford like yes. number one to get new bras, but also number one to abandon underwire. Cause some people, it is a requirement. Um, but I just think that that's the best thing for you to be getting because <laughs> I like, it's just so off of, of your brand.
1: Yeah, completely. Because I never wear a bra if I don't have to in anything. Me going on this vacation, wearing boob tape was like, I rolled out the red carpet. Yeah, I had adhesive all over myself just just from taping them in place. But I did find it uh, was nice. It was nice that they were secure. I will say that. So maybe these products are helpful. But the music and then the, you know, go from saggy to perky in seconds like, come on. We're selling that transformation still. It's just.
0: Do you remember when I did that photo shoot and they kept trying to put te- tape over my nipples because you could see them through yes. everything they were taking the photos of? Yes. And then finally they determined that the tape on my nipples made it worse. <laughs> and then they made me take the tape off of my nipples in the middle of the shoot.
1: That was a day for you. That was Yeah, a day. I tried
0: telling them like, you know, it, it might be, it, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of not like, like Lavelle women, like you're going to see. Like you're going to see it. You're going to see our nipples. It's an opportunity.
1: (laughs) It should have been part of the contract. Like in this contract comes me and my sense of fashion, my image and my Lavelle nips.
0: Yes. I really think that next time, if I ever do anything like that, I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to really test it out be like, how do we feel about like, you know, you're trying to show all bodies. You're trying to show people moving.
1: Um, I'm going to be nipped up. I'm gonna be nipped up, <laughs> but we're pretty much all. I mean, a lot of us are nipped up, so it's also we, yeah. We feel like, we feel seen by that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've seen um,
1: it. Well, I experienced it. Now I'm gonna see specifically nipple-related boob ads, um, but I think I'm uh, I'm glad that I could share this clickbait with y'all. One because it's so funny that it doesn't serve me at all, and I just keep getting them. It's I just, love that. So it is my my research history, if you will. You credited my research, but my research on how to wear tape or something really triggered the sponsored ads. Yeah, so, you did
0: you did this to yourself.
1: I think though it's clear to me now that we don't have the same clickbait.
0: No, we don't oh, have the same clickbait. Okay.
1: Go right ahead, please.
0: Mine is um, and we have already listed the content warning, but mine is the uptick of people selling um movement for trauma release. What? And so I would like to say first that what? movement and trauma work can go hand in hand. There's a lot of, there could be a lot of like value in moving while you're processing those things and everything. But this comes specifically from the Tiki talk. And it's like, do you have Uh, tight hips and a belly like are you fat it's your trauma (gasps) and it's like "Mm, mm, what are your certifications um and so I I think that that is like unfortunately on the rise and I think that it's so it's such predatory clickbait first of all it was a 30 day there was a 30 day uh situation attached to it, like by like a my trial, like by my 30 day program. Oh goodness. To recover from your trauma and theoretically get the body of your dreams. Um, which, you know, everybody has a different dream body, um, to start out. But I think that that is my clickbait because that is so, um, a trend I see coming onto these apps. Again, we have been doing a lot of Um, I think a a lot of our, you know, millennials and Gen Z have been pushing for therapy and um, recognizing and working through trauma. And I think that's great doing it myself. Um, It's horrible and (laughs) it's horrible. It sucks. You should do it too. But I think that it's so predatory to then turn around and create like five steps to get over it and attach it to how your body looks. Mm. So I was like, I I try not to go too far down um, that rabbit hole because again, if you start going down it, then it'll keep presenting itself. But it's just like the top thing that keeps like repeating itself. And it's really, uh, it's diet culture rebranding. And the fact that like, you know, there's like a program attached to it and it's got stretches. Listen, you can stretch and you can work on your trauma and you can heal. And you can have like a really fulfilling life, and your body could stay exactly the same, um, or change in a right. different way. The right. way that the pro- the thirty day program didn't promise you. And I think that that kind of clickbait is just like this cycle of failure. That like, oh, if in thirty days my body didn't change like so and so on TikTok or Instagram told me it should, then it's my problem and then I just have to move on to the next thing. Um, and yeah, I just didn't, I didn't like it. It's a clickbait that I really don't like. Um, sometimes I get like fun gadgets advertised to me and I think I'm going to get even more coming up because, uh, my aunt Kathy sent me a bunch of weird things in the mail, but, (laughs) but, um, this one was just like, kind of, kind of stuck with me this week. Something that I really wanted to talk about on here and like, maybe flag for people that if they're seeing that and it's at all tempting and you are recovering from trauma and working on your trauma, just know that those things don't have to be attached and you should be working with a professional and a professional is not going to be selling you a 30 day um, weight loss and trauma program.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. Lauren, that's a really uh, deep Deep clickbait. That's something that on the periphery in your mind, you might say, oh, like I absolutely have stress in my tension in my hips and I am carrying weight around my midsection, but y'all, I mean, zoom out. There's a lot of reasons why we might have those things But when we get that perfect package presented to us. It's like reading the symptoms on WebMD. Suddenly, yes, you have a crippling disease that three percent of the population has because you're like, I have those symptoms. This is for me. I had two thoughts come up. One is um, yoga teachers, and it reminds me of when as so y'all, some of you may have like in, met me as a yoga. I like teacher. that you. I
0: like that you threw in the y'all right away. I didn't it- thought about it.
1: I didn't mean yeah well we do but um so my handle was yoga for y'all and I met most of my early followers via my yoga account and there was a lot of t- I eventually left that space it just it felt uh, ickier and ickier the more I did it and one thing that really drove me wild in the yoga teaching space was this pose releases stress and the, the the trauma that you're storing in your body around your armpits and as we breathe into <laughs> that you're gonna feel that release and it's okay to cry now all of a sudden like these kind of uh, you know well-meaning yoga teachers we're saying things that one we don't know are true for all people two we don't know are true at all three are way out of your scope of practice so right. that's the first thing that stood out to me like you said what are your credentials what are your certifications? And then the second thing is it immediately reminded me of the appropriation of mindful or intuitive eating. Not that those two are the same, but I'm starting to see also a couple of months ago, uh, apps or programs that are saying eat mindfully with us with the intention of losing weight in 30 days, Mm -hmm. unlearn your mind, your mind, less eating unlearn these things, address your traumas, address your stressors again, well-meaning and also not going to serve all people for that reason, if anyone.
0: Yes. Um,
1: I feel like this is probably the most important clickbait you could have brought to the table today because I don't know who else is going to see that ad. And those of you who are, are listening, I really hope that if you do see something like that, you can apply what Lauren is telling you and say, mm, I see right through that now.
0: Yes. It's the, it's the 30 day. That's always like a big red flag. Not that there can't be really fun, um, things to participate in for like a 30 day thing. But when you're, um, when you're like pressing these results, both physical and emotional results, um, in 30 days, I think that like, you just get into such a danger zone. So that was my clickbait. I know it's a little bit scary. It's a little spooky, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're going to go, we're going to roll right along into our actual intention for this episode, which is also a little scary and spooky. And I loved the feedback that we got from the people who are joining us to listen and joining our patreon and we have some special patrons to talk we about today
1: do. we do so we have two tiers we have active recovery and we have a hundred percent battery <laughs> and uh, we shout out our new uh percent battery patrons every time they sign up so we are giving a big wholehearted shout out to chrissy Hillary and Elaine, who listened to what four minutes of an episode, and were like, "I'm in." They, they said, "They said we think it, we
0: think it's worth it." <laughs> it's
1: good this is going to be good. Yeah. I I really love the vote of confidence and we so appreciate it. We we did not know the time, the cost, the investment that was involved in this until it really started happening. We still don't. We we still still don't. don't. So knowing that you support us and um, that you've been providing feedback and content, we are just so excited to take you on this journey with us. So thank you again, Chrissy, Hillary, and Elaine. And without further ado, let's get started on reimagining these back to school elements that we just deconstructed last week. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I do recommend that you go back and listen to it. So it really aligns. Uh, We're going to pick up exactly where we left off when we started last time. So, uh, Lauren, the perfect schedule Mm. was really where we started last time. And we identified things like scheduling, becoming, you know, by the bell. Lauren uh, also offered to bring her bells for the sake of the podcast to help us stay on task. (laughs) Yes. We talked a lot about, you know, holding your pee, holding your poop in school, the pressures of having the schedule, always feeling like you were in a rush with nowhere to go. Lots of cool stuff. And we can't, we can't forget recess. So What are your thoughts on schedules and planners and those types of structures that we were introduced to as kids? Where do you stand on the idea of a perfect or really well-constructed schedule?
0: Yes, I love, um, I love this because I, you know, definitely sprinkled in a sample of who I was last week and I'm still that girl. Um, (laughs) so I, am an entrepreneur for a reason. And it's because I don't like having a schedule. I don't wake up at the same time every day. I know. I know. I know. To many yeah. people's
1: dismay. I know. To yours. I um, am not wait No, I am not dismayed. I'm honestly impressed. So I just um, want that for the, for the good of the group here. Go on. I don't wake up <laughs> at the same time every day. I don't eat at the same time or
0: like the same ways every day. I don't work the same way. I am pretty anti like schedule and I will say that with a ding little asterisk saying that like there are some things obviously that I work into my life that you could say are scheduled like meeting with you is scheduled teaching my classes is scheduled and other things fall around those things so there is some structure I just don't like to acknowledge it
1: (laughs) I don't like it I I would say that the structure allows you to be really creative. The structure you have gives you the space to navigate all the other stuff in between. Um, I I admire it. I look at you sometimes, I think, damn, I want to have that level of, (laughs) you're You're like, wow,
0: do you ever feel like a plastic
1: bag? (laughs) I just want that Katy Perry energy, you know, um, you're very good about making time and space for the things that really matter. And you put them on your schedule. You do not schedule things you don't want to do. And I'm obsessed with that for you. I do that for me. I don't like that. And I wish that more of our listeners could sort of practice this, uh, lighthearted energy around scheduling. Is this just you? Is this just your personality? What can, how do we bottle that and sell it for Um, those of us who need it? Yeah, I think that there's a a
0: combination of things going on. I, yes, it is just me. So then I started like examining those things that we talked about in our, our last episode and the things that we, you know, talk about a lot between ourselves. But like, I started examining what a successful person looks like and what a successful person does. And then I realized like, We're seeing, again, the highlight reel. We're seeing the interviews. Like, no, nobody, like, Oprah is not inviting you over to her house when it's messy. And it probably (laughs) doesn't get messy because she has a team that helps her do that. Or there's people working behind the scenes. Does that mean that she never has a laundry pile? Like, maybe if she doesn't have her specific laundry person, she might. And, like, the idea that we can't have we can't have the mess and like success at the same time. I just like started being like, "Mm, I don't believe that. So I tested it and it's been working so far. Um, But I think, yeah, I think having those, maybe some pillars or some, some soft goals or some soft schedules. big on the penciling it in. Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's a whole, that's a real thing. And when yeah. I pencil it in, it's almost like a slight, right? Like I'm writing it in pencil, pencil. because I don't know if I'm going to do it. Um, and I think that having like a pencil it in attitude with yourself and the things that you put on your list can be, really liberating to a lot of people who have been running it completely by the belt and by the book and thinking that, you know, the grind culture lifestyle, like I'm really working my booty off, just not in the same way as I would be if I was running on another person's schedule. I feel like more fulfilled this way. And yeah, I can actually get things done when I need to get them done, which sometimes is very late. And then I schedule the email for the morning.
1: You're so thoughtful for us morning people to receive.
0: Uh, I'm I- still asleep when the when the emails go out. I am. I am. That's such a mess.
1: Oh, I know. I'm into it. I'm into it. It's nice to hear this. Um, I know that you're. Uh, we communicate all day. We talk all day, and we are in such different places in our businesses and the way we run them. Why aren't you calling me? <laughs>
0: like, Lauren, I'm
1: working. Lauren, will, wait. I will tell you two things. Lauren will Facetime me at any time of day and just then to message me, I knew you weren't gonna answer. And then the second thing is if I FaceTime her thinking I'm being wild <laughs> just out of my <laughs> mind, giving her a call randomly, she will answer anywhere. On a toilet, on a walk, with her cats, in the yard, in a pool, she will answer. And I just love it because you aren't scheduled so tight that you can't answer a phone call from your friend. What a great life. So I admire it. I definitely feel like I live, I live by a schedule for a couple reasons. One, I was a trained teacher. So I went from college right into teaching. So I lived by a schedule because literally I was, what you had I, was to, I had you to do had I had to and then when I left teaching I got into I had nannied on the side and I went back to school so I was on the kids schedule I was on the school schedule and then I was teaching 20 yoga classes a week, and I was on the bus schedule and the train schedule to get to those classes. And sometimes not having something to do at a certain time, almost it creates a little anxiety in me Is that am I forgetting something? I should be doing something right now. And I've really started to lean into some of Lauren's concepts. Uh, Lauren, you you try to take Mondays off. And I started building a little bit more time on Mondays for me to do creative work or to just have playtime and hang out. Because there is no point in perpetuating the 40-hour work week when you are a helper. I'm a helper uh, as my profession, right? I, I see so many of you either on Zoom or in person, and we get a whole hour together, which I love offering. And it's exhausting for a helper to do that 40 times in a week. Can you imagine 40 hours, 40 people, It's a lot to hold space for. So in order for me to do my job, well, I've had to learn to abandon the perfect schedule to cancel, to move about four years ago, my new year's resolution was to stop bailing. And I learned the hard way that in order to do that, I had to stop saying yes to things. That was the only way, because I couldn't burn myself out doing all the things I committed to. I realized, oh, you overcommit yourself. You need to fix that. It's not the bailing that's the problem. It's the fact that you don't even stand up for yourself and your schedule.
0: Oh, so- the way that I will not go to something.
1: <laughs> the way that I will, someone will be
0: like Scott will be like, should we RSV? No, we're we're RSVPing no because <laughs> current me and future me knows, and that's why I had to I had to give up FOMO. I had to give up FOMO. Yeah. You can't be me and have FOMO. I. I I'm like oh I wish I could have gone and then Scott's like do you I'm like no no I'm (laughs) fine no I don't um I'm happy for them they look like they were having a good time it looks like it was fun I'm so glad that they had fun everyone looked beautiful no I know want to go
1: maybe that's what makes our lives kind of nice living apart because Lauren never has FOMO about me costuming two nights of a weekend and she'll hit me up with a, that's a great costume. you looked really cute, but she did not want to be there and it was no okay. Way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that makes our friendship kind of nice too, because we don't have any pressure on each other not to, to do anything. This podcast started 15 minutes late today. Cause it was just, it's what it, what it was um, us
0: running around
1: <laughs> dealing with dogs and peanut butter spoons. Yeah. So I I'm really glad that we could talk a little bit about how we navigated moving away from it. For me, it was uh, a top-down approach of kind of pulling away a little bit that I could from what I was taught and for you it really was let me just clean this slate mm-hmm. and see what actually matters what do I actually need to have there but that's so- like
0: our personality entirely like we're <laughs> right I'm just like bloop like I just started over
1: <laughs> yes uh, it gives me <laughs> a, a lot of anxiety and I'm so happy it works for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about fitness schedule? Uh, that's something people talk about a lot. How do I have time to work out? Y'all, one time in a week, somebody asked me on Instagram, How do you fit in movement? And I was like, Here's the exact plan I have that will help you. And it's like, Choose your own adventure. Boop, 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 boop. Perfect. Lauren answers the question. And it's like, Maybe you do, maybe you don't. And maybe it's <laughs> movement or maybe it's something else. And I thought, Oh my God, we've never been so different, but we had the same intention of take the stress away. So in your eyes, how are you making time for movement? If your schedule is sort of a question mark sometimes, or just like a soft penciling in of things, are you making time for movement in a way that feels good for you? Please share.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have that. That's one of my pillars right so my classes teaching one of my pillars um my own training has become like a pillar like a like or just like a holding spot right where I know that 11 o'clock I'm gonna work out um and I do that twice a week with other people and then my own movement is mostly walking um practicing moves that I'm gonna put into my class very fun for me and then stretching um So, yeah, I do schedule my workouts when it comes to how to talk to other people about moving into that and scheduling fitness. I think that it's so different for me because I'm in a space where I feel very healed with that. Like it doesn't get me all flustered if I have to miss a workout, it doesn't get me all some type of way if I'm working out too much. And I know that some people feel that way on either end. So, Until you get to that space, you can try all the things, right? Just keep trying them. So maybe you do try scheduling. I often recommend that people say they're going to do two workouts a week. Don't like between Monday and Friday. I'm going to work out twice between Monday and Friday for 15 minutes each workout. And then the pressure to like perform gets lower. And it's not that you're not doing it right, or it doesn't count or all these things. It's really about kind of building from nothing. And how stoked are you when you show up to your second workout between Monday and Friday for 15 (laughs) minutes and you're done and you're just like, wow, I did it. That builds confidence and that builds your own schedule. And then maybe you start manipulating that. Maybe something comes up and you can't do it at the same time. You have to do it at another time. 15 minutes is easier to schedule than an hour and 30 minutes and an intense class and everything like that. So I think that really the luxury of flexibility could be, um, I mean, number one, it is a luxury because not everybody has a flexible schedule, Um, but I guess the luxury or the, the gift of being kind to yourself and allowing yourself a little flexibility where you can, can change your relationship with your movement schedule and your fitness schedule, because then you're not, it's just so much extra work to like beat yourself up.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Not only work, but I, in my world, I think work means energy means calories, right? It, it, it zaps you of your energy, to be that stressed about making it work, making it feel perfect. Yeah. And the the logic behind an hour workout, I always ask my clients, what are you looking to do? And um, in, our, in our space, which is more of a functional, functional fitness gym, formerly uh-huh. a CrossFit-affiliated gym, I sometimes just, are we going to the games? Are we competing? Oh, we're not? Okay, so we actually don't need to perfect the five times a week CrossFit style movement with Metcons that raise your heart rate so quickly. It sounds like what we need is just outside time for ourselves. I think changing the way you talk about movement is also really important, which is probably why so many people love following you, Lauren, you introduce a different way to talk about it. And it's coming from a healed place. It's not coming from a murky, oh yeah, like I'm working on it too. And it's kind of tricky and cumbersome. And we're not really sure if this person is a good guide. You're an excellent guide for suggesting to someone take it easy. And easy does not mean bad. Easy does not mean you're not gonna go somewhere. Easy builds the foundation for you to be consistent. And I love that. For for me and some of the folks I work with, Again, it's that top down thing. It's kind of mm-hmm. bringing it away from five days a week in the gym, seven days a week, having to run every workout. Um, I'll shout out a friend here. She is one of our most dedicated listeners now and said she's never had a podcast. She's wanted to contribute to more in her life. Wow! And that just, yes, yeah, so I felt, felt so seen by that. And one thing that I love that she did for herself is she recognized me going to this style of workout five days a week. Isn't what I want to do. However, the only time I can work out is at six Mm o'clock. Like I that's my time. So she adapted the movements. She adapts what she does. She's changed her programming and she isn't dying at the end of the class. She can move on about her day and it facilitates a happy mindset about movement for her, which, like, don't we all want that at the end of the day? Who wants to feel like trash having worked out five times a week? when you could work out twice, like Lauren suggested and feel confident, like sometimes it means scaling back. So coming from that top-down approach, again, if you're doing, 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 you don't have to go all or nothing. How can you pull away from that really intense, rigorous schedule, which is rooted in perfectionism, of course, Mm -hmm. right? How can we make space for imperfection and ranges. And maybe I'll move two to three times Monday to Friday, really opening up the door to the what ifs and the curiosity versus the judgment for having done the plan or not done the plan.
0: I love the perfectionism thing that you just threw in because I think we should stop and examine that we did what we just said we did for the schedule, which was one of us work from this way, one of us work from this way. Same thing for fitness, but this the same thing is driving those feelings whether you're not working out or you're working out intensely five times a week and don't know how to find that middle ground it's the perfectionism it's I'm gonna start and if I miss a day then it's all over and that's it or it's I'm I've been doing this five days a week. And if I miss a day, it's all over. And that's it. It's the same thought yep. just applied in very, in, in different ways or various ways. Those aren't the only two there's plenty. Um, so I think that that's really uh, cool. Let's keep going with that theme.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got then I guess what? I've got one more for you. It's our favorite thing. And we do this very differently too. (laughs) So it's so, I can't, I can't handle this. It's food. food. So planning your food and your meals. So we we talked about last week, school lunch, which of course we'll get into the nitty gritties of that and how to unlearn some of those behaviors and thoughts we've had and facilitated in ourselves. Uh, But really focusing on the schedule of it and the box Mm -hmm. checking of it and fitting in time for lunch what's your, what's your take? Are you a meal prepper? Are you a meal planner? Are you a bit of both? Where does the schedule fit in for that? Are you just sort of, Hey, I didn't schedule it and it'll happen when it happens. Where do you land? Yeah. So I
0: allowed myself to be a, Hey, I didn't schedule it and it will happen when it happens person. And let me tell you, it wasn't happening. Um, so <laughs> spoiler alert, it does not, happen. <laughs> spoiler alert, it wasn't for me. So I'm all about this, like, yeah, free spirit, free schedule. That doesn't work when it comes to like my blood sugar, not tanking and me being like, <laughs> me being, like I'm going to bite like, um, so I think I'm back to my planning and let me tell you why I'm a plan, not prep. Okay. Do, please tell. First of all, the difference between planning is the idea of what you're going to make throughout the week or for these meals. Prepping would be actually preparing said meals. Um, I love to cook. Mm. I love it. I love it. It brings me so much pleasure, so much joy. It's the only form of regular meditation that I have um, is cooking. I love to cook. There's just like stay out of the kitchen. (laughs) leave me alone. I'm cooking. It's wonderful. It's like a full sensory experience for me. It makes the food taste better. All of that. I know that's not everybody's reality. Some people are like, I don't like to cook. I don't, I don't like to do any of this. So that makes it a completely different thing, but that's why I don't prep my food because it's, first of all, it's sensory overload for me to do that all at once. Um, right, right. And then like the, the down, the like, oh, it's already May. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> so what do I do with this extra time? And see, that's different because again, we talked about me having a flexible schedule. If I was working, when I was working a nine to five prep, like prepping my food was an advantage for me. It was, it was a lot more of a necessity for me. And now I'm not working that type of schedule. My partner is not working that type of schedule. So it changes things totally behind the meal prep for someone who is on a tighter schedule than I am.
1: Yeah. Or even, um, I'll mention tighter budget, um, could be tighter, just like space. Um, mm-hmm. if you don't have all the space to, to clean your oh, to my mess, my- mess the kitchen and then clean the kitchen. Yeah. Um, it could be uh, so many things. I drive a lot in my job. I didn't expect mm-hmm. that, but I drive and see clients in person at my gym and I, I drive back. And sometimes I drive back again, or I meet people at a coffee shop and have meetings about whatever X, Y, Z thing, having food available to me is a, is basically self-care and, It's financial management because I'd spend Mm -hmm. a lot of money if I ate every meal or snack outside. And another great example here of your line of thinking versus mine is I had an incredibly long day yesterday. Lauren had a really, I think you had a pretty decent day. You had some projects you were working on. Um, We were both talking about, are we going to eat out tonight? We were both sort of like, is it a takeout night? And I was like, go for it. Cause I know Lauren doesn't do a lot of takeout and you better believe she texted me a picture of a beautiful dish she prepared, and she said "Stayed in!" exclamation point. And I didn't have the balls to tell her. I got that message while I was ordering our food at a restaurant. And, no, and there's I nothing, mean you there's nothing you wanted to go. And out. there's right, and there's nothing. I think I'm sharing that because there's nothing wrong with that, right? Your friends, your coworkers, your people. Will choose different things for their needs. And for some people, meal prepping every night of the or meal prepping for the week takes away the joy of cooking every night. And for others like myself, meal prepping my lunches for the week was, it was just heaven sent. I was so grateful for it. So it's kind of nice to be able to have these conversations because I think it allows people to see that there is a lot of space for you to plan or prep. I tell my clients, meal planning is thinking about food. -hmm. Everybody in New Orleans is meal planning. Meal planners one hundred and one. That's where you can learn that lesson is here in New Orleans. And I would not be
0: cooking if I was in New Orleans. Someone
1: else would be cooking. I mean, put that out there. Right, embracing that—that even thinking ahead to the next meal and saying, "What am I going to have?" Maybe that's your meal prep. Uh, Maybe your meal prep looks like prepping snacks or cutting up fruit. There's there's so many ways in between. Maybe your
0: meal prep is getting like enough frozen foods that you can dump them onto the air fryer and make them. And that's how it comes out because I yes. think that also there's this idea that it has to be scratch made and you've got to be sweating over the Tupperware. <laughs> it's like, it's not that serious.
1: <laughs> it's not, it's not frozen pizza y'all. You can plan and prep your frozen pizza. And that is your you know, home run dinner on a Friday night. When you don't want to go out, you want to save a little bit of money but you don't want to cook very much like that is taking care of yourself. And it comes from that place of, I don't have to do things perfectly yet again. You don't, you can change the plan every week. Maybe this week I meal prep, maybe next week I don't, uh, maybe next week I decide to live more like Lauren and I'm just, I'm going to cook all the time and find joy in it. I don't imagine that will yeah, happen. You're,
0: gonna, you're wearing your <laughs> fancy robe. You're wearing your slippers. <laughs> There's a candle.
1: <laughs> I have cats now. Yeah. It's all just leaning in. Um, notice that, I'm joking about that. Right. I'm not actually going to go and live Lauren's life. And I hope that you listeners know you don't have to live like us either. We're talking about it because we want you to know that's how we've gotten out of this perfect schedule mindset is adapting differently to the systems we were taught and acknowledging what works for us and what doesn't. So on that note, do you have anything else you want to share about perfect schedule before we pivot to my favorite topic? Today?
0: Yeah. Just, you know, no perfect. All right. Let's no go. Perfect.
1: Okay. My favorite topic. I didn't know this was going to be your
0: favorite one. Oh,
1: I so. really love it. Well, I love it is <laughs> uniforms. I love talking about uniforms, changing costumes. for PE costumes. Um, this is a big one for me because, you know, I was re-listened to our, our episode last week and bold,
0: I old, old, bold choice.
1: It was bold. I loved it. Lauren doesn't like hearing her own voice. I love listening to us. I laughed so hard at everything all over again, almost in the same like syncopated laugh you would have heard. It was just kind of, it was super corny. Anyway, I heard Lauren talk about how The uniforms that she wore, you could buy any polo. Some people bought them at Hollister, some people bought them at Walmart. Mm -hmm. And I, in that moment, realized all of my uniforms were monogrammed with the school name, and they—you had to buy them at one uniform store. I was the only one that sold it, and they kind of had a monopoly over everywhere in the area too. Um, Great uniform. Big uni. Yeah, they, they were great people, but they, um, they had a great business model. So I thought a little bit about why it was so hard for me growing up with the uniform. It's because my body changed a lot as bodies do. And I had to sort of be the kid who my mom had to buy a big bigger uniform for every year. And that was an extra cost. So, so much of wearing a uniform is also tied up in my body needing to fit this standard and style and sometimes it didn't work right. I needed to move the buttons. I needed to hem things. Like it didn't really fit. Like it was ever made for me. And it wasn't. (laughs) Thank you for saying that because I really (laughs) didn't know. It wasn't made for you. wasn't and they had like one fit model per size like they did not really and that model was a telephone pole it it was not a real shaped human it was not an eight-year-old who went through a box early it was a box yeah it was just a desk I felt really lost in that space as a kid and one thing I've learned to unlearn is that my style can change my body can change how I feel in clothes really needs to be rooted in comfort. That's something I've taken from that period is I don't want to be uncomfortable in my clothes. I don't want to be tugging on my clothes. I don't want to be adjusting. And that might mean not buying into the styles of the time. And that's taken me a long time.
0: Yes. Yes, I agree. You can pride my high-waisted leggings (laughs) off of my cold dead body. (laughs) Um, I will not. no. No what? Never mind. Nope. I was going to say what, what would me in a low waisted thing look like? And I was like, no, please everyone stop. Don't do that. Go back.
1: I taught yoga in the low rise era in 2000, um, 2008 to 2012. It was a high rise pants were in. It was not good. It was not Those good. like mid rise though, Maria, they weren't low. They weren't like
0: they weren't like what they're trying to do right now. Oh
1: no. They're, they're going back to a dark and dangerous place. Uh, it was, it was low enough. It was yeah, low yeah, enough yeah, for you yeah, to yeah. be Lower so comfortable. Yeah. Um, so what's your take? Did your uniform wearing time impact you as an adult?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. How anyone, are you dealing with it? Anyone who knows me, anyone who's in my membership, um, anyone <laughs> Who watches my stories is like, Oh, she's wearing that shirt again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) my members will probably be like, wow. Okay. Um, I wear the same thing all the time. I wear the same thing all the time. I have so many clothes that I have slowly donated. I'm a big donator of clothes. I don't, I don't ever tell me to just like get rid of clothes. Um, I'm going to donate them, Mm -hmm. but like, I had to go through and figure out what I'm actually wearing, and that's easily done by what's in the laundry pile all the time, right? Um, yes, yes. And so, yeah, no, I, I have, I buy multiples. Like if I like it, I'll buy it in another color, just like it, and buy it in another color. Um, I do that, and I keep it moving. My time in a uniform was great for someone like me, who now, especially running my own business, I make a lot of decisions every day. Um, we all make a lot of decisions every day. Um, and yeah, no, I don't want to make that decision. I want that decision to be easily made. So when I open my dresser drawer, when the clothes have made it in there, let's pretend they did, um, (laughs) that I can pretty much mix and match things and not feel like I have to make too many choices. Like it's going to be this style of bra, this style of crop or this crop. Like those are the choices. Right. Right. Um, And I think that, yeah, my time in a uniform really inspired that because it was, it was easy. It was easy for my mom too. It was easy for the parents to just be like, "Put you already know what you're wearing, right? right? You don't, you don't need as much help in the morning. (laughs) Like when you're a little kid who has a uniform, they're just like, what do you mean? You don't know what you're wearing.
1: Right. Right. I love that. I love the way that you've, you brought your own style to it while also making space for you to live your life. (laughs) I think you have style for sure. There's something really special about noticing what you've gained from a system that some people find really burdensome. So that's kind of great that you recognize. I don't want to have to make those decisions. And that is the best part of wearing a uniform is -hmm. that you wake up and you put it on and everybody wears the same thing. And it's simple and you throw it in the wash and it just, it kind of just functions as a space saving option in your brain right it's like less things taking up space yeah
0: just like the like we talked about with other parts of the schedule there are some reasons to have a schedule and it's because it saves that space for me what I lack in schedule I make up for in simplicity in my (laughs) in my costumes and in my uniforms like I'm Okay. We're, we're going to eliminate a lot of choices
1: here. Yes. Um, for me, I've really learned to embrace not having a un- set uniform. I really got caught up in the idea that I needed to wear a certain brand, especially as a yoga teacher, just like to find that mm. comfort. Everything gets cut together. Uh, the fabrics all match. The colors all match. I like that simplicity. And then I outgrew them and mm-hmm. it really presented me with an opportunity to think, okay, I have to dress this different body. I don't want to spend a lot of money. So I started buying just like easier, you know, maybe it was fast fashion in some capacity too. Easier to buy, order, see how it fits and find out, does that feel comfortable in me? And I bought a lot of dark colors and I started to feel really sad by that. This this was uh, maybe the first six months of the pandemic. I was navigating new clothes. I bought a lot of black, navy blue, the camo, just things that were just dark and easy to go together. And it wasn't until a few months ago, you know, like black and gray camo. No, I know. I'm just, no, it was, I don't <laughs> I was, know. Like, it was... all of this is sounding good camo. No, sorry. I mean, it was it, I was, I was into it too. Okay. okay um. Sorry. So what started to happen is as I was getting rid of old clothes and I was bringing in new clothes, you know what I realized my uniform originally when I moved here was very colorful. Then I adapted to the pandemic, brought in a lot of dark clothes. And while I was comfortable, I also felt like I lacked personality. And so now that I'm clearing out my closet of things that don't fit and I'm buying into different designers or whatever, whoever might be brands, I'm really pushing the limit on color. I'm wearing a bright neon pink (laughs) top today. I like pushing the limit on patterns and colors, things that don't always match, things that don't always go together, things that aren't perfect. Lauren is wearing a black (laughs) t-shirt, um, giving myself the ability to say, I really like breaking the norm. I really like breaking out of the idea that black is flattering. I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done. talk about that
0: because I still wear a lot of black. Um, I recently just bought two black t-shirts, very, um, like crops, very cute, very easy peasy. I've been wearing them a lot. Um, but Black is flattering and white isn't, it's just like mm. such a, such a vibe because I wear like pretty much only black and white, um, while, whilst like working, sure, um, you know, I like colorful things otherwise, but I think it's funny because I'm just like, mm. I spill all the time and I'm wearing white. I don't really care if it's flattering and I'm wearing black, you know, all those things. But I think that's really interesting when we're talking about me wearing the most basic wardrobe and I'm like, yeah, I don't follow those rules either also after Labor Day and all those weird things.
1: Yeah, no, it's hotter here after Labor Day than it was on (laughs) Labor Day. I don't want to hear it. I'm wearing white. (laughs) These rules are bonkers. You're (laughs) lucky I'm wearing clothing. (laughs) You're lucky I'm wearing a bra. Here's my stickies. Yeah. It just, it just so many rules that were wrapped up in clothing with Uh uniforms that I think I really welcomed Cosmo, Cosmo, right? Like, day to night in seconds, like having the uniform for style, having the uniform for fashion and thinking Mm -hmm. I have to meet those parameters too. Oh, what a freedom to just be able to say, I don't think so. Let me have my basic outfits ready or let me have my fun little colorful things. Obviously we have to recognize that not all sizes or brands are size inclusive here. So that also makes it complicated. If you really like a certain color and you try to order it online, guess what? Maybe in a size 20 doesn't come in that color. Like that is not okay. And you know, like let's make lots of space for that. And if there is a capacity for you to be able to participate and to maybe blur those lines and push those barriers a little bit on what are the rules around your uniform or around your daily outfit, yeah, what happens think, what happens when you do that
0: i think you mentioned i think i love that you mentioned the size inclusivity or lack of size inclusivity that's important to acknowledge and i think uh the financial stuff is important to acknowledge mm-hmm. like as your body changes like sometimes there's feelings around your body changing and not fitting in clothing that maybe aren't even rooted in how your body is but more that you have to go out and buy new clothes and that's a stressful thing um And yeah, so, so knowing that those factors are in there, how do we work within those things and find things that we like for me again, simple is best, like easy, less decision-making and even like less clothing, more frequent washing, which again, level of privilege that but, and not folding, Um, lots of washing, (laughs) not folding, but yeah, like finding what works within those feelings, like all the feelings that come up when it comes to uniforms.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. The, right. I started this with the guilt of telling my mom I might need a new skirt or something. It's not going to fit this year. Um, so know that those feelings are all there for a reason. They all started from an interesting place. And while they may be different for all of us now as adults, many of us are going through those same thoughts and feelings simultaneously. And we just have no idea. And that's sort of the part, the point of the podcast too, is to make us all aware of these things that we're, we're all doing it together. There is something related uniforms. We really didn't talk about last time. And that was changing for PE. <laughs> and I think that there's a lot I grew up, you know, as I mentioned before, I went to a Catholic school my whole life. So changing in front of other people Either it never happened, or if it did, it was very, very, very private. You changed in a bathroom stall, where you kind of hid facing a locker. You changed between your two open lockers. <laughs> you ch- you would keep your skirt on. You take off shorts, and then you put on your gym shorts. Like if you ever had to do that, you changed for gym though. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you? Uh, what is? Are there any holdouts from that? Anything that like lingers for you? Any terrible or great things that stick out to you?
0: Yeah, I think that I mean still changing in front of people is a weird thing for me. Not always the easiest thing. I have like a pretty tight knit uh, FaceTime crew, and honestly, both of them are always naked. Sometimes showering whilst we're on a FaceTime. I don't know how they do. There's a lot of things going on there that I would not be able to do. My phone would be in the drain. Um, But like, I still feel like, I have to cover myself up. And it's really from a place of, I don't think it's from a place of body shame. I think I'm, I, it's like a place from extreme modesty, which is like a whole other thing that was created for me. Um, I'm a naked person. Otherwise, most of the time, uh, surprising that I have pants on while we're recording this, but I think, yeah, the idea of changing in front of people and being so shy, like, Oh my gosh. Um, they're going to see me changing. It's like the the joke of like, when you're going for going to the doctor and you like take off your clothes, they're about to examine your whole body, but you're hiding your underwear. (laughs) Like what? Like literally they're about to touch my whole body, but I got to put my underwear in my purse. Um, So I think that, I think that, yeah, that's how I feel about it. And also. I don't know what they're doing and if they're doing anything for PE classes now, but the thing, the the clothing that we had to change into was hilarious. First of all, my shirt was always way too big because I wanted a bigger shirt, but then it was way too big. And some of the girls were tying them up. Yeah, yes. I was not. And then the shorts were made out of like the same material as like a dish sponge. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was a cross between a dish sponge and a basketball
1: net, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, so you had, like, more, like, basketball short type? They were, like, they were, like, meshy, but also that, that spongy kind of <laughs> Mine were, like, like, mine
0: were, like, cut off sweatpants.
1: Oh, my gosh. Like, God, what is that's that doing? Cool. What Wait, that's is that cool. doing for the greater good. <laughs> no, it's not. I like that. I think it's fashionable. It was like, they weren't actually, like, they were just like, imagine that they made sweatpants, but they
0: were sweat shorts. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are they, (laughs) why are they blue? Like a bright blue, not the same color, not navy.
1: This is not what I expected. Okay. So we had mesh shorts that were really stiff. So you actually had sweat Sweat material, sweat short material. In Southern California. Bring it back!
0: Bring it back! In Southern California, and so I think that that is like, you know, I already had feelings around movement. I already had feelings around PE. I already had feelings around my body. And then you're giving me these shorts that like I'm gonna wash them three times. the The, the thing is gonna come out. Like the tie, it's gonna come out. I'm gonna be crying and threading that shoelace through Sunday night. <laughs>
1: Was a mess oh my gosh you know it was also a mess was the uh the chokehold that the elastic band of a sweatpant had on my middle school heart um I didn't know it wasn't cool this is coming from someone who's currently wearing joggers I am living the dream I cut out of my life as a middle schooler I am living the banded bottom dream and we just I don't know if y'all did that, but no one kept the elastic in the bottom of the sweatshirt. They all cut them out hmm. to, to widen the pant so that it wasn't stuck to you, but it actually looks cool, right? Like now we're like, yeah, joggers. We wore joggers and we cut the pants.
0: The pendulum of fashion was swinging back and forth. Wide leg yoga pants are coming back in.
1: Oh, don't. Mm-mm. I left that era. I lived it once. I will not live it again.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes we don't have a choice
1: or do we, that's the point of this episode. (laughs) I think you do.
0: (laughs) Sometimes we just have to wear wide leg pants. (laughs) I I can't think of the thing now, the reason that we have to, but it's probably going to rain if you do.
1: (laughs) Oh, it'll rain. Good luck rolling those up over your, uh, Patent leather black shoes. Oh, Cute. Good luck. Good luck. Okay. So we'll take it right into PE class since we're dressed for gym, right? We're thinking about it. This is something that I know is so close to Lauren's heart as a professional in a personal way as well, that she you know, you basically facilitate group fitness, which was PE classes. Yeah, the OG you, group fitness. Class. Yes. Yes. I mean, you're facilitating that for folks via your membership. If you're not a part of member of Lauren's membership, you've got to join, check it out every once in a while. She, she will offer a open class that you can take yes. just sample it but otherwise just take my word for it it's incredible i have clients that are in our membership and they are incredible people too right they just bring so much to the table lots of energy in the membership it's very unlike your gym class yeah, it's right it's anti
0: pe you know so,
1: so what do we what do we take and what do we leave from school pe class do tell yeah. i think
0: that the idea of um a variety is something that we could take from PE class. Cause I don't know what happened to your PE class, but there was like week, well, I don't know, sections, right? Yes. Maybe it wasn't a week, maybe it was two weeks of like swim if you had that option. Um track and field, always a funny option for me. We'll get into it at some point. Um <laughs> but like basketball, horrible option for me. But you had to try those things, you right? Did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. The trying is what you could like keep. You can keep the trying or the testing because knowing that it doesn't have to be forever. You don't have to go to a spin class for the rest of your life. If you did, (laughs) if you did a two week trial or you signed up for a month or whatever, like the idea that you can bring that variety and do different things and engage in movement in different ways for when you're enjoying it and then maybe you move on or you try it for the first time, you don't enjoy it and you move on. So the attempts, the attempts, we keep the attempts here. I really, um, love that. I love that. Thanks. Yeah. That's what I think you should keep. What I think you should throw away <laughs> is the grading. Um, and I say that all the time in membership. I say that pretty much all the time in, in general, I've said it today, but it's not that serious. Like it's really mm-hmm. not that serious. I tell people in membership, no extra points for touching your toes because we're so used to that. We're so used to just being on a point system or being graded and hoping that it like, you know, it's going to, we're going to be the best.
1: Yes. We're going to
0: be the best at something. And I have that desire too. Like I, I don't like doing things that I'm not familiar with because I like being good at things, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. then it's like, oh my gosh, I just recently found out like a couple of weeks ago that you can't, Get really good at things if you don't try to do them. <laughs> um, uh oh. <laughs> I don't know. It might be a rumor, but um, <laughs> could be a rumor. I'm not sure. hasn't been uh, hasn't been tested enough. <laughs> but yeah, I think that the idea of that there's like a grade or like a final situation or a final form, right? That you're supposed to be yeah, able to run right. until until you become a sprinter or a marathoner. Like those are your options. Like no, you can be a slow ass runner for the rest of your life.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you can. You can, Absolutely.
0: How do you feel about, uh, what, what have you taken from PE in your own personal journey? Because I know the other thing about your fitness is that you have been, you've done that. You've taken the variety pack. Like you were really have. a yoga girl.
1: Yeah, I really have. I, I embrace that about PE class. And I also embrace the idea that we did things in PE that didn't always seem like work. So parachute, <laughs> scooter, basketball, uh, you know, floor hockey, like that never felt like work to me. It felt like fun. So I've tried to inspire that in my own movement. Um, unfortunately, Yoga was work, right? Yoga was my job, so I think there was a little bit of burnout there because Mm -hmm. I was facilitating so much and creating so many opportunities for other people to do yoga. It really burnt my body out, and then mentally, I I hit a lot of roadblocks of like, what am I even doing? I'm more more so, am I just appropriating more of this uh, sacred practice? I had a lot of discomfort, so it really did push me to consider what kind of an athlete do I want to be right now? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means, um, you know, sturdy girl summer. And sometimes it means like right now I'm back training for a half marathon, which I haven't done in seven years, fast girl fall. Fast girl fall. Right. <laughs> and there's, there's just, I, I don't want to ever be hemmed in. I want to change my mind if I can. And I don't want anyone to be like, Oh, that's the girl who lifts or that's the girl who runs. That's the person who can out bench press her gym teacher, which she can, but you know, give yourself the ability to say, what do I want to do now? What's my season? Mm-hmm. There might be a season and I know it's coming. I know that I'm going to get back into jump roping like the funsies, like the, with the steps I, she's making an unfair face.
0: No, I'm making a face. I'm making a face of, we just talked about it. There was a point in my life where I was getting so good at jump rope because I was jump roping. And like, now (laughs) I'm like, um, I, I would also like to interject that I live, I cohabitate with someone who does not care if he's good at anything and just so happens to be good at it most. <laughs> it's unheard of. It's it's disgusting. You can hand him a jump rope and he will be out there doing tricks. You're like, what? It's
1: gonna what? take what? it's didn't gonna you, take me years.
0: <laughs> didn't you? I'm hitting myself in the shins repeatedly. And he's just like skip, 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 skip. He's like, look what I can do. Look what I can do. And I think that there's like there's definitely a lesson in that because he doesn't care. Um, and Mm. he's having fun. Like
1: yes, absolutely. You know, I also think I pulled a little bit of this from when I was more into that CrossFit style workout. There'd be part of the workouts that were gymnastics, and I would get so infatuated with them. I thought, well, why don't I spend more time doing that so I can get better at it? Or I got really enamored by a strength cycle. Let me spend more time focusing on that so I can get better. And there is something so fun about streamlining the process, working in a groove, maybe hiring someone, maybe working on a program or whatever it might be. I've really loved trying on different variations of myself as an athlete. And then I get to play dancer half the year uh, in a Mardi Gras crew. So I've even brought in things that maybe we don't see necessarily as quote exercise because Mm -hmm. we're having so much fun and we're dressed up but that i would say that's what i take right i take this ability to be many variations of myself as an athlete I definitely leave the self-judgment. Someone messaged me today about the podcast and said, I was the kid who got the perfect presidential fitness test score. And Mm -hmm. every year I felt the pressure to have to keep being that person. Whoa. Yes. Yes. And how damaging that was for her and like everything that she had to carry each year to kind of think like, oh, I can't let anybody down. And I definitely can't let myself down. It was specifically difficult with a male gym teacher. And I think that's a really important thing, like no shame and no pressure, um, no need to hold yourself against any data that isn't really rooted in anything. Y'all, the calorie burn on your tracker is not accurate. 25 to 92% inaccurate. Even the GPS signal can be messed up on your run. Like there are inaccuracies in these data trackers, and I think they are rooted in a well-intentioned place, but often get us wrapped up in our own shame. Tracker
0: tracker episode has to come up. Yeah, it will yeah. happen
1: for sure. Um, and I just want y'all to know that letting go of that does not mean you have a bad workout. Doesn't mean you're not going to get better. The only thing I tracked for six months was you know the the weight of a barbell. And I didn't track my strain on whoop. I really didn't care about it. Mm. It really came down to like, am I doing this smart? Am I doing this with good intention? And
0: And at the end of it,
1: do like, I still want to do it. Like, do I want to do it again? Yes. Do I want to do it again? It could suck
0: during it. Like sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the absolute worst. I don't want to be here. I want to leave. But then when I leave, do I want to come back?
1: And Mm -hmm. I think that that's
0: really like where a lot of my feelings about this come from.
1: Yes. The challenge piece is going to be there. You know that you coach people through challenge all the time and it's particularly difficult when someone is experiencing a challenging movement that they can't do right, right? They Mm. can't do it perfectly or the way that you do it or one of the modifications that you offer. That is also something we listed here to talk about, which is this challenging your inner, inner teacher's pet. And that kind of comes up in gym class, like our friend who said she was, uh, you know, feeling like she had to keep up with herself each year to be that good gym student. Um, Where do you stand on the teacher's pet? Do you get clients that really struggle with needing to do it right when it comes to fitness? Absolutely.
0: And I also think that um, we talk about this in my classes today actually Hmm. was a hit class and you already said it, but I did a complete choose your own adventure. And so I was like, well, here's the moves, but also here's the moves, but also here's the moves. (laughs) And I challenged people to do something different every time or for half of the time or for whatever to see what movement felt a little bit more intuitive. Of course, I'm giving you the outline, but like you take from it, what feels like you, So no one had the same class today, even though we were in a group. Um, So how can you be the best if you were the Hmm. only one who took that? Like, how can you, (laughs) how can I grade however many people were there different classes? I can't. um, I say it all the time. There's no grade at the end of this. I think count, count. How much of a workout counts? When does it count? All of that count is something that I hear constantly. And I think that really again these are rooted in perfectionism these are rooted in the way we were raised around movement but it's so funny too because i'm like who is who who in my membership is going to the olympics right now for real raise your hand raise your hand okay right. cuz it's really like even if you're going to the olympics um excuse me like you're already there right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like what no one is mad um so i think that Really challenging the the idea that you need to be perfect by bringing in variety. Maybe you can do the modification that you personally have deemed the hardest variation, because mm. that's also very personal. There are things that I could do that people who are maybe in this industry longer or have been doing it longer maybe can't because my body just is like, oh, okay, like Scott with a jump rope. Right. Um, but you know you don't need to take that why don't you try to take something that you maybe have written off as too easy and try it and see what happens um see how you could put your spin on that but i think that that's really when it comes down to it's not just the variety in the style of workout you choose if you choose bar if you choose to run if you choose to lift it's also the variety within that workout are you allowed to have a day where you're not the winner um you know <laughs> where your bar class was kind of like ass. (laughs) Like, Are you allowed to have a day that you're not trying to beat the bar class that you took last week or whatever? And that's what starts bringing joy into it and allowing yourself, like I did a move today. What what were we calling it? Like high knees. I was like, it's skipping y'all, just skip.
1: I love when you do that in class.
0: Oh, so they were skipping. We were skipping because it's fun, right? <laughs> Can't it be fun?
1: It can be. I'll say one thing that sucks the fun out of anything is thinking you need to do it for somebody else, which is for me, I see that in my nutrition client sometimes, which is you now I really want to be good at this. So if I say, why don't we try this three to four times this week, they want to do gonna it be five, cool. right? <laughs> it's going to be four or it's going to be five. And are you proud of me? And I'm always proud of them, but I'm most, most, most proud of all of us when we identify that we don't need to do anything for anybody but ourselves. And so what you're describing is making the movement work for you, making the moment work for you. And spoiler alert, you're going to have to try these movements and figure out what actually works for you, which means at some point, some of them are going to feel bad. Some of them are not going to be great. Some of them will be Bulgarian split squats and you will say, no, thank you. Some of them will be
0: outlawed because they're mountain (laughs) climbers and my (laughs) membership does not allow me to put mountain climbers into anything. So I've just like
1: gone around that by putting a variety of different things. There you go. Consider that you may have a little teacher's pet in you when it comes to movement, needing to please the instructor riding in the front row. At Imagine a, Cycle. Pet. a teacher's
0: pet of mine is a cat. Okay. You so already, just be you already have, t- you already have two, you have two teachers. Yes. Yeah. But what does a cat do? Whatever the hell they want. So that's the best teacher's pet for me.
1: Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we take a note from baby here, which is you just pee on the yoga mat if you need to. I'm Maybe. Upset. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Give yourself a chance y'all to to actually contextualize movement for yourself. You don't have to please the coach in the room. You don't have to please anybody. That that is going to burn you out so fast. You're not going to build a sustainable movement experience because you're not focused on the one person who's doing it with you it's you mm-hmm. you know your coach is just there to guide you you can really be the person who writes uh writes the plan in that way just like you did choose your own adventure and I think take that theme with you today choose your own adventure when it comes to movement
0: and also call it an adventure please I yeah. beg of you, because like this whole shit is like all hard okay <laughs> but <all> like am <laughs> apply that to anywhere like apply that anywhere through this podcast and through your life like it is all so hard can we just bring a little bit of that adventure sense to it to make it a little bit more of a curious practice than a serious practice
1: yes can we find play Can it be recess? Can it be adventure? So much of what we talked about last week comes up again in a way that we are reframing it, right? So I think this is such a fantastic way to reframe PE class. Mm -hmm. And uh, after PE class, you might be lucky enough to have, or before (laughs) you, you might be lucky enough to have lunch. So why don't we deep dive here as well? We have a couple topics. The number one piece that we're going to start with is the idea of communal eating, Mm -hmm. eating, eating with others. Lauren, I have folks that I work with that are very self-conscious eating around other people due to comments from kids at school or due to their parents. Um, And we kind of forget that like communal eating is a way that we build bonds and we, you know, formulate relationships communal eating can also be very complicated. Where do you stand on eating with other people? Do Ooh. do I- explain this to us.
0: Yes. Um, I talked about this with you a little bit, but I am not, I am a big communal eater in certain settings. And let me tell you what they are in similar settings to what I grew up in. I love to eat with my hands. Um, I love to eat with my hands. Like if I don't need to use it, I, I was born with these utensils. Like (laughs) I love it. And so I often feel like the way that I like to enjoy food is inappropriate Mm. for certain settings. And, you know, those settings are rooted in white supremacy. Um, of course there are cultures around the world who do not eat with utensils or do Mm. so sparingly and eat mostly with their hands. Um, so I love eating at the comfort of my home or other people's homes who like to enjoy food like that. Um, I also love to be comfortable. So like, I want to be, I want to be in like pajamas or something soft or like a fancy robe. Like I want, I want, again, I talked about the cooking. It comes, it's the same thing when I'm eating, you know, I can't have a candle burning when I'm eating. I need to be able to properly smell my food. Um, (laughs) It's a whole thing. And so communal eating, I will enjoy myself in, in good company. I don't try, I try not to go out of my way to communally. And also some of, you know, about my spilling, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) yeah what's
1: what's your saying the the shirt eats first there it is (laughs)
0: um but yeah I think that like I I have a very uh strange relationship with that and and it definitely was magnified in school um because growing up I when I was communally eating with other people uh it was usually at parties like family gatherings Mm. um and in, in the case of like my family gatherings, we were, you know, at the kids table. So it didn't matter what was going on there. And then other family gatherings, it was just uh, loud and vibrant and people were eating with their hands. Um, and then, you know, at school it's the scrutiny of like, what are you eating and how are you eating it? And, um, you know, just like the variety of things that happened. So that's kind of started, started my, like, being conscious and being aware that I like to enjoy my food in a different way than other people. Mm-hmm. And so that still sticks with me with my communal eating thing. Like I recently ate like at this block party and I was like eating outside and even still, I was thinking about it. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to spill this on me. Um, you know, should I be using a utensil more? Like, man, it's a taco, like girl, right. come down. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they still come up and it's yeah. not like to say that that's completely gone, but in good company. And especially if I'm feeding you, oh
1: yeah, we're going to eat. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite memories of ours is, uh, watching, I think you should leave and having sushi and wearing comfortable clothes on your couch. Oh, it's yeah. a great, great memory. And and
0: how do I eat my sushi with, my with your hands?
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I appreciate you sharing that. For some of, we had some feedback from the first episode about folks that had, that wouldn't dare to bring a cultural dish to school because of what kids might say about how they're eating it, what it smells like, what it looks like, what does it taste like, from a very judgmental angle, because, you know, while kids are still learning that there's a, nice and not nice thing to say. Sometimes they just say it. And those things are stuck with you for life. And Mm -hmm. it might impact what you order at a restaurant. It might impact what you eat around your family or your friends. And I want you to notice that, to observe that in you. Are you choosing to eat salads in front of people? So they notice how healthy you are. or Are you like a
0: morality situation?
1: Yes. Are you avoiding eating the burger because too many times People had told you that that was an unhealthy thing, or you shouldn't be eating that, or I can't believe you have the courage to eat that. You're so brave. That was definitely more of my scenario, and not necessarily in school, but in college for sure, because I was always sort of using Lent as a diet. And then it became like, oh, well, uh, it worked, right? I lost weight as a vegetarian, giving up meat for Lent. I'll stay vegetarian lots of messy, messy things there. And I noticed people commented on the way they eat as if I was really disciplined and I wasn't disciplined. I was disordered and I had a lot of issues with what a fine line, right? Mm, the finest. And I, I want us to, yeah, very dotted. Yeah. I want us to consider the way we perceive ourselves as eating in front of other people. I was at my own grandfather's funeral service and someone said, follow the dietician. Let's eat what she eats. I'm thinking I'm one. You haven't seen me in 20 years. Two, you don't know why I'm going to choose the foods I'm going to eat. Maybe it's because I'm anxious or I'm sad or I need comfort or I haven't eaten in three days. Cause I've been sad. Like we don't know why people eat what they eat in the moment. So to say something so, you know, again, well-intentioned, well, what's your grandmom's favorite thing to say? Yeah, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, and that's certainly where I felt like, okay, so now I'm on, I'm on what am I, under scrutiny? And y'all, I, I ate exactly the way I wanted to eat. And of course the comments came oh, you're eating that. We can eat that too. Um, that comes with fitness and health professionals sometimes like, oh, you are allowed to eat that. I guess I'm allowed to eat that. And part of communal eating, we almost use as nods, as nods of approval. Like, oh, you're eating that. So we can all have that. Oh, are we all going to be bad? Are we going to be bad today? Ladies? Yeah, should we be bad
0: and order dessert? Like, first of all, ma'am, I'm not going to order dessert here.
1: I already have another place in mind. okay. Um, like (laughs) you can be bad, but I'm going to order dessert. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to order dessert. You could be wrong
0: and I'm going to be enjoying myself. Yes.
1: Right. right. So I think those are some things that come up for me with communal eating. I was one of five kids. So we had seven people around a table. (laughs) Every day was communal eating. Every day, every meal. Sometimes the dogs jumped up on the table too. I mean, it was just a time to really enjoy each other's company. So communal eating really feels so good to me. It feels like home. And in some ways, now that I've traveled a little bit alone, I just got back from Italy and did some solo travel. I also really enjoyed eating alone and Mm. not being outpaced or slowed down by someone else eating at the table, right? The timing of the way we eat. I just so loved sipping and chewing and just kind of taking Are you a slow eater? I am not a slow eater. Okay. Okay. I was just,
0: I was like, I wonder where you, well, I, I guess it's all relative, right? With who you're eating with. But, um, yes. I just wanted to know.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you a quick, a quick story of what it, what it's like to eat with three brothers and a sister and my parents. Uh, we got this French bread from <laughs> it's Costco. Yes. Yeah, so Costco opened in 1999. I'll never forget it. And they had French bread and they still have it. I'm sure my mom would buy it. Slice it, we'd have it with spaghetti and I was eating, you know, we all got one because split across the table. We all could have like, that's all it's we not going to last. Yeah. Right. I'm eating it. And like Lauren, I drop things all the time. It rolled out of my hand across the table and onto my brother's plate. He picked it up, ate it and laughed. And I was just like, "Ah!" (laughs) it was so mortifying. So know that there's also the having to keep up. My husband eats hunched over, over his plate sometimes, because that also was the way that he had to kind of finish his plate to get seconds. That's also kind of a thing.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I think, I mean, that could be a whole episode of like, you know, eat all this, but also don't eat all this.
1: Um, (laughs) Yes, it is. I think that is the ultimate millennial dilemma around food.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, we can also talk about like the difference in how we eat based on if we're doing like a takeout situation as well. Like, are we, I mean, eating in the car is not comfortable for me. I'm sorry. Like I'm never going to be comfortable doing that. So other people, like if you're on the go, yeah, maybe you are having a meal you didn't plan in a scenario that's not <laughs> great. And like, just knowing that whether you're eating alone or with someone else, like it's, it's one meal.
1: It's just one meal. That's you can make right.
0: adjustments as we
1: go. Always. It's not a, it's not one thing and done. It doesn't define you just like the movement, right? Just because I, you know, like doing X, Y, Z thing doesn't mean I have to be now branded the person who does that thing or the person that eats in the car. Am I a person who eats in our car? Yeah, I definitely do that. And I also love a picnic and I love sitting at my desk and eating while I'm working. I love to eat at the couch. There's there's no right or wrong way here.
0: I love to eat at my counter.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Counter food tastes great.
1: <laughs> counter food just comes with a little something extra. Yeah, yeah it does. It does. Hot. <laughs> hot and ready, baby. Yes. I think there's one other thing we can bring up here because it didn't come up a lot for me in school. My friends were not diet talkers in high school, maybe in college a little bit. I was probably the diet talker more than anyone. Same. And then um, in school. So when I was a teacher, the break room was a lot of diet talk. Uh, There was someone I went to school with or taught with. She was vegan as long as I knew her. And then when it came time to like preparing for a wedding, she ditched being vegan so that she could eat this like lean protein veggie type of diet. Mm. So we talked a lot about dieting as an adult, less as less as a child. I'm curious, how can people take this whole school lunch energy communal eating and deal with the diet talk they hear when they're eating with pals, with family, they're eating meat, even in their work break room.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that I'm still trying to navigate how i react in those situations because like you said in college like you were that person same Mm -hmm. so i had to reel myself back in from being that person and also it's kind of there's like an intersection where i'm like i'm genuinely curious about what you're eating
1: yeah Um, yeah
0: and i know that like that's not an appropriate question for everyone or some people may be triggered by me asking that question when i really mean it in the most loving and like nosy way like i want to know um So I think when it comes to like thinking about this, again, my approach to all of this is like one meal at a time, uh, one scenario at a time. I don't think there's a one size fits all situation when it comes to that. Some people in an office, you know, yikes. Yeah. I don't
1: big yikes.
0: Yeah. I think there's just a lot of constraints there that make these scenarios a little bit more difficult to handle Mm -hmm. when it comes to communal eating, um, what, what's your take on communal eating, especially like as an adult in like these very, these very like boxed in situations?
1: Yeah, it really depends. I was thinking, like you said it at work, there's a lot of different parameters and structures in play. Like what if it's your boss? You know, you're not going to be like that. That's some diet culture shit. You know, you're not going to say that to your boss. I think it depends on Did anyone ask Maybe for feedback? Maybe you do. Um, I like to remind my clients, did anyone ask for your feedback? And sometimes they just felt like saying what they were going to say, and you can just sort of nod and ignore and really not give people the attention around diet talk that they're asking for, because you don't want to be the person who validates it. And sometimes there's some power in being the person that doesn't validate the thing. You don't have to say, oh, that's nice. You don't have to say anything. Yeah. You can
0: remain in this very neutral state where you're like in in your own comfort, in your own decision and just remain. And that is like everything around you is dynamic.
1: Yeah. The whole world can be spinning. You can remain still and eat your food. And while it might hurt, I mean, there's nothing worse than someone saying that what you're eating or even something kind of like the thing you're eating or ordering is bad for you. It it is, I think it pays dividends to, to still be the person that says, I'm holding on to my piece. I'm not changing the subject of this conversation that we were having. That was fine to dig in on this nonsense. If it feels like it comes up all the time, I do think, especially with people you are eating with all the time, I mm-hmm. do think a boundary is needed and that can be verbal. That could be physical, right? That you just no longer eat in that same place anymore, but we're, we're afraid of being uncomfortable. Our entire society is kind of rooted in this idea of I should be comfortable. Like this should be okay. This should feel easy. I should be good at this. We're not going to be good at standing up for our peace and owning our space, especially if it's a non-diet space, because the whole world is really focused on you being obsessed with it to fuel this economy that is flourishing, right? A $72 billion industry. All that to say, you are a tiny person on this little rock (laughs) floating through space. Do what you need to do. Maybe you lay the boundary. Maybe you don't. Maybe you navigate the discomfort of saying, I don't actually like these conversations, but I do love when we talk about your kids, how are they doing? And just find that way with words that feels good for you. It's not going to feel good at first. It's going to be uncomfortable. Are you going to make someone upset? Maybe, but you don't owe anyone being nice. You don't owe anyone, you know, being an enabler. I think it's also the observation when you're outside of that, how
0: many people are in it.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah.
0: Maybe even I do a lot of softening with like compassion because I know that I was that person and I acknowledge that. And I subjected other people to me being that person. Yeah. Um, And just like holding the space for like, wow, I hope, I hope to see you on the other side.
1: Yeah. And however you decide to share that sentiment, it could be nonverbal. Right. You know, it really comes in so many ways. And I I get a lot of folks that ask, how do I reply to this? How do I reply? And that's because we want the right thing to say the right tone, the right words. We want everything to be okay. Y'all, when you are putting your foot down and saying, I don't want this to be in this way anymore, you are naturally disrupting the flow of what's happening.
0: I was going to say, and someone on the edge, someone who's hungry, someone who's been dieting, someone who's been in that space, like, anything you say to them is going to be too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side, if there's someone at that table who is struggling hearing those comments too, and they're subjecting themselves to dieting and restriction and hard body thoughts, and you're the person that says, I don't think so. I don't think we have to have that conversation today. Or maybe, maybe we talk about this another time or whatever it is you say, or Hey, that's total BS. Whatever it is you say, You also help that person who is stuck and silent and is stuck and feels like I have no way out, but I feel like I have to continue continuously focus on shrinking my body to gain worth in some way, shape or form Mm -hmm. you're, you get to play the role of someone who, who did the big thing you're a small town hero in that way, right? I think it's a big deal. I taught um, a group of staffers this week um, who work in a clothing store talking about body neutrality. And I said, this is not the norm. When people go into clothing stores, they are people drop the F word, the flattering word. Your boobs look great. Your ass looks great. Oh, don't worry about your armpit fat. We all have that. Like we get a lot of invalidating or sort of body focused comments when we're in stores trying on on clothes. And I said to them, you are doing something radically different by not acknowledging, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this obsessive body check. And that's an amazing thing to do. So I hope that you feel that in your world, wherever that is, where you body talk communal eating, um, that you know that when you do stand up and you do draw a boundary, you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping other people too.
0: Yeah, I think that, That is an awesome way to wrap this episode up.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's been a pleasure. I've so enjoyed this. Um, For those of you who are maybe listened halfway through or you're just catching us here, know that you can come back and listen to us uh, for episode one, part one of Back to School. And this sums up how do we live with (laughs) with all these back to school-isms, these school schedules, PE class, all these notions. How do we deal with it? We hope that it provided you with some guidance and some food for thought if we missed anything you yes. know you know you can let us know send us a message you are on patreon we can't wait to hear your feedback and some ideas for future episodes again if you are interested in supporting us our patreon has two tiers five and ten dollars we would absolutely adore to have you a part of that community
0: Yes, and we can't wait to share with you all the things that we have been um, creating behind the scenes. <laughs> this and by behind the scenes, I mean, when we're rolling and things start going wrong.
1: So, <laughs> Yes, I do the little clap to let her, <laughs> let Lara know we're not using this. Please splice this out. But um, there is an audience who receives that exclusive content and you could be in that audience. Yes,
0: and we <laughs> want that to be more of a community and more of a conversation and continuing the conversations on the things that we talk about. And maybe things that we missed.
1: Yes, yes. So on that note, please share our podcast with somebody you'd like to have this conversation with. Rate us when the ratings are available wherever you listen to podcasts. We're it takes too a- new. We're too new to get ratings, but when the time comes, please uh please help us out. That would be fantastic. And join us next week on Wednesday for our next episode of Rest Days basic person autumn starter pack. What are the things that what a mouthful. <laughs> What are the things that we feel we need to be engaging in, wearing, participating in, in order to really get the most of this autumn season said by someone who will still be sweating in October? We'll talk all about it. We'll go over our thoughts on pumpkin spice, boyfriend fit hoodies and jeans, people that are just always wearing hats. We're going to talk a lot about hats, y'all. We have mixed feelings on them we are so pumped about this episode if you hear this and you have ideas shoot us a message patreon let us know your feedback we would love to include you